There's a passage in the book of Numbers that I have always, always loved. And uh, I'm not going to take the time today to read the whole surrounding verses. Uh, but this is Balaam's first prophecy, Balaam's second prophecy, the 23rd chapter of Numbers. Um, and in, in his second prophecy, he said something about God that I've always loved in uh, Numbers 23, 19. Listen to this. God is not a man that he should lie. And, uh, you know, we, we all realize um, that men are liars. And I dare say that every single one of us at one time or another in our lives, and probably more than once, have told lies. But God is not a man that he should lie. So don't, don't think for one moment that God keeps his word the way you keep yours. And don't think that God keeps his word the way people have kept their word to you. Because God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. God is incapable of doing anything that he would need to repent over. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? That gives me great comfort as a believer to know that, you know, if God promises it in this book, if God speaks it from his mouth, how many knows the Bible is God-breathed? Theonustos. God-breathed. Theonustos. This word that I hold in my hand today that many of you are sitting there following along with, this word was breathed out of the very essence of God. And it cannot lie. That is the rock that we stand upon. That's our unmovable and sure hope. As we navigate the stormy waters of life, our anchor, our hope, our foundation, our rock, is the Word of God. And especially, it should be that way for the Christian all the time. When the sun is shining, the day is beautiful, things are going great, things are going wonderful, we should have every bit as much of an appetite and a love for the Word of God as we do when the storms of life assail us. But too often times we do not. Oftentimes we let our Christian discipline slip when things are going well, but I want to encourage you today. When you're on the mountaintop, read the Word. When you're in the valley low, read the Word. When you're going through the best times of your life, read the Word. Love it. Cherish it. Because you're going to need it someday. You need, it, you need it even in the good times, but I'll tell you, man, a storm is coming. Storms come to all of us. The Word of God tells us that He reigns on the just and on the unjust. And so every one of us is going to face rainy days. Huh? And God's Word is an immovable anchor. It's an immovable and sure hope. It's a steadfast rock in times 
of storm. Has God said it? And then he won't do it? God forbid. The Lord God is true to his word. And God's promises, beloved, are essential to our spiritual well-being. We will not grow right as Christians without the word of God. Okay? The word of God is a road map. The word of God is our guide. And the Holy Spirit, somebody said, well, I thought the Holy Spirit was our guide. Well, he is. The Bible says he'll guide us into all the truth. What's he going to guide us into? The word of God, because the word of God is truth. And oftentimes the way the Holy Spirit will work in a believer's life is he will amplify the scripture to that believer. So you don't want to, and let me see how to say this in the, in the best way possible. You don't want to strictly look for experiences with the Holy Spirit that are apart from the Word. Let's just lay it out there bluntly and honestly. I've had a lot of experiences with the Holy Spirit. I've had a lot of manifestations of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and those things are good and they're normal for Christians. But I don't look to that as the sole source of my guidance. And when I do see a manifestation uh, happening in my life, when I, do, when I do have those experiences of the Holy Spirit in my life, the first thing I do is pick up my Bible and make sure that this is really the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never go against the Word of God. Okay? So we don't want to base our foundation strictly on experiences and manifestations of the Holy Spirit apart from the Word of God. If it's not in this book, I don't want it. And the Holy Spirit is not doing things that's not backed up by this book. And there's no more of this book being written today. When John closed it out on the Isle of Patmos, he closed it out. Okay? And so these preachers and teachers that are saying, well, you won't find this doctrine in the Bible, but you just have to believe it by the Holy Spirit. They are in error, my friend. If it's not in the book, it's not the Holy Ghost. Okay. That having been said, let's look at David for a moment. I mean, I mean Daniel. Let's look at Daniel. King Darius uh, had spoken some things over Daniel. How many knows that other people will sometimes speak things over you that are not good? Some, in Daniel's case, Darius said something that was very, very positive that is recorded in the Word of God as the Word of God. And as the servants of the king were lowering Daniel into the lion's den, King Darius said, Your God, who you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now there is a faith confession, if I've ever heard one, and this faith came from a pagan king. But he loved Daniel. How many of you understand today that sometimes those who are without Christ right now at the moment can fall in love with you if you just walk lovely with them and if you just treat them well and bless their lives and they can actually tell you things that turns out to be God's promise in your life. They'll actually speak things to your life that are totally backed up by the word. I mean, God, God used Darius 
to bolster Daniel's faith right before he was thrown into the den of lions. And he said, your God who you serve continually, you're continually serving this God, you're loving this God, you're worshiping this God, he will deliver you. And then they laid the stone over the chamber underground where the lions were kept. And there's Daniel standing in the midst of these lions, taking in his dire situation. But Daniel did not waver in his faith. Sure enough, next morning, King Darius goes and he finds Daniel untouched and he proclaims, Oh, King, live forever. Daniel is talking to this secular, if you will, king. He says, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me. Now this is an example in the word of God of how the word of God will bring itself to pass if we will but believe. And sometimes even people in the world Even people in the world sometimes will recognize the need for faith. Somebody asked me the other day, will faith do any good in, in someone's life if they have not received Jesus Christ? And my answer was, sometimes. Sometimes. Because God's a good God, and God's trying to reach that person. So if that person has that positive attitude, has that faith, you might say, it's not Bible faith, because Bible faith starts at salvation. However, God is love, and God will bless people all he can. But God cannot do anything with somebody who sits in a corner and wrings their hands. He still loves them. And so I've seen God do things for unsaved people that made me scratch my head and wonder. I've also heard unsaved people actually be used as a voice piece for God in a given situation. You say, well, wait a minute, that's heresy. That can't happen. It does happen, friend. God used, the job, or God used an ass to prophesy. A donkey. He used a donkey to prophesy. God can use your neighbor to speak to you even if that neighbor doesn't necessarily know the Lord. But when that neighbor says something, the Holy Spirit will begin talking to you, see. And the Holy Spirit then will take you back to the Word of God, that which faith is based upon. So we have to be very, very careful and never close ourselves off to who God might want to use. And to what God might want to use. But we want to check everything out by the book. See. How did Daniel survive this lion attack? Some people have even postulated that the lions must not have been hungry. Come on, man. His historians tell us that Animals who were used for executions like this uh, were unfed for days uh, to make the death quicker and to ensure that they would, in fact, attack the person. So that's obviously not the answer. Daniel's fate was never in the hands of those lions. His hand, he was always in the hand of God. 
Daniel's life or the ability to sustain that life did not rest with the lions. Daniel belonged to God. And that's where your victory lies, my friend. Daniel survived by placing his trust in God and his faith in God's promises. Each of us can remember times when we wished we had a sure word from God about a particular situation, something we could cling to when doubt and fear arose. But I want to tell you today, you do have a sure word from God, and you can cling to when times of fear and doubt arise. It's this Bible that I hold in my hand right here today. And when you're in that, them moments, and there will be many throughout your life, don't let anybody kid you, when you're in those moments that doubt and fear arises and you begin to open the Bible and begin to read it, the Holy Spirit will begin to apply it to your heart if you're saved. What about the unsaved that read the Bible? Can the Holy Spirit inspire the Word to them? The Holy Spirit will inspire the Word in the sense that they need a Savior, Jesus Christ. But then once they've received Jesus Christ as their Savior, all of life opens up to them. And then as a Christian, he begins to talk about all the areas of our life. You see, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, if, you, if you're unsaved and you're listening at me today, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit's first of all going to tell you you need Jesus. And you're going to pray, and if you're unsaved, you're going to pray, and you're going to say, help me, help me to pay my bills. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, you need Jesus. Uh, you're going to pray, oh God, uh, uh, help my friend not to die. He's in the hospital right now, very, very sick. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, you need Jesus. Uh, and if you're unsaved, uh, the answer to everything for you, if you don't know the Lord, is you need Jesus. And then once you become a Christian, and you begin to talk to God about these details, and very seldom you'll hear an audible voice. I have never heard the audible voice of God. Now, I know some people have, and I believe it, and it can happen, and it has happened, and it will most definitely happen again in the future, but I have personally never heard his audible voice. But I've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart many, many, many times, even on a daily basis. And once you get saved and give your heart to Christ... Now you belong to Him. He's constantly going to be talking to you. And everything He says is going to be lined up with His Word because He is this Word. Hear me, please, hear me. Jesus Christ is the living Word. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus Christ is this book. And what He speaks to you and to me on a daily basis as we run this race will always line up 100% with the Bible. And so, so when doubt and fear arises in my life, I pick up the book and I begin to read. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, uh, you know, read John 12, 26, or read John 10, 10, or read Ephesians 2, 10. And the Holy Spirit will even lead me to a particular passage or a particular chapter or section or whatever of this book. So God is speaking. This is called a living word because it's still alive. God's still speaking it every time you open it up to read it. It's not a matter of God spoke this word one time, bam, there it is. He's still speaking it 
Every time the Christian opens it up to read it, Holy Spirit begins to apply it. Holy Spirit begins to utter it. And he wants us to speak it through our mouths. And that, again, is God speaking this word through us. You catching where I'm going with this? This word is our immovable and sure hope in times of trouble and in times of a storm. It's an anchor for our lives because it is alive. It's not a dead word. It's not a dead word like the words of Buddha, like the words of Mohammed, like the words of Joseph Smith, like the words of any pagan god or goddess that the pagan people worship around the world. Those are dead words. Those people are dead and in their graves, but Jesus Christ lives. And because he lives, you and I live also, the Bible says, and because he lives, this word is alive. Hallelujah. We belong to God. God knows when we need encouragement, guidance, and hope, and he provides specific promises in his word that we might understand his nature and trust in him. In emotionally devastating times, God's promises are essential to our spiritual welfare. You hear me? There are things that can happen to us in life that could absolutely devastate us emotionally and leave us on the junk heap of humanity, crippled forever, but God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But God. We have His Word. We have His blood. We have His promises. We have His church. We have His hope. We have His Holy Spirit. We are not junk uh, to be trashed on a junk pile, but we don't have to be devastated by the attack of the enemy. We can rise up with power and we can be overcomers because he promised it in his word. Not because we dreamed it could be so, but because he promised it in his word. And so we have that as the anchor of our life. Something very interesting, and something needs to be said, which takes us back to our text. Let's read it again. Uh, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? We have to understand the character of God so that we can trust him. That's why it is, it is important to study God. And we study God... In many ways, but primarily, it better be the primary way is the Word of God. Scripture does says tell us that nature reveals that there is a God. Nature will reveal to us that there is a God, but nature does not teach us about that God. The Word of God teaches us about that God. Okay? So as we begin to understand who He is... And and how he loves, and how he operates, and how he does things, and the, the way the kingdom works. Our trust in that God will grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And God's word is a compass, a guide, and an instruction book of life. Just like we use instruction manuals to uh, build things in our kitchens, or, or use God, we, uh, we use instruction manuals, you know, it tickled me, we have this... Uh, carpet cleaner that we bought 
Uh, it's just like a professional carpet cleaner. You know, you runs water and soap through it and gets the carpet wet and then you suck it up. But we had to put it together. It came in a box. I hate it when it comes in a box because I know I'm going to have to put it together. But I thank God for the directions that were in that box also. See? Because inevitably, inevitably, I'm going to get some part in the wrong place or I'm not going to know uh, where a certain part goes to begin with. And that's the same way with our life. We are born into this world and we don't have a clue. We learn by trial and error many things, you know. Uh, we know that if we touch this hot stove, it's going to burn our hand. But how many times do you have to touch that darn thing before you figure that out? But thank God life comes with an instruction manual. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank God we have his word. It's our instruction manual. We need God's word as our resource for wisdom and for truth. America, hear me today. God's word is our source of wisdom and of truth. You would not think of baking a cake without a recipe. Nor would a mechanic rebuild a car engine without a manual. So don't try to go through life without God's word. And I'll tell you this. We live in a time where ideological warfare and cultural warfare is at a zenith. And the idea market is flooded with many things that people label as truth. But this book that I hold in my hand is the only truth. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. And glory be to God. I've, even in the areas of science, true now true science. Some scientists they they exist to attempt to disprove God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true science. If all true scientists come to the conclusion that there is a higher power, there is a supernatural designer. There has to be, and they believe in God. I'm just going to lay it out there. That's how I see it. And you can go back to Sir Isaac Newton. You can go back. All the old ones, they knew there was a supreme designer somewhere. And we believe that's true. The Bible says it. All true science. There are some, there are some scientific truths. Let's use that word in that context. That are not specifically laid out in the Bible the way they are being said today by the scientists, but they are in the Bible. And you can read through the book of Job, you can read through parts of Genesis, you can read through many places in the Word of God where you will find those concepts from which those scientific truths are explained. And so again, this is the only source of truth, the Word of Almighty God. For example, God said he hung the circle of the earth. So God told us that the earth was round for years, for centuries. Man thought the earth was flat. But if they would have grabbed a hold of that truth of that scripture, they would have understood from the beginning that the earth is round. 
And so now science comes along and says the earth is round. Well, yeah, it's in the Bible. This is the only truth that exists, my friend. And everything of life was breathed forth by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, some of God's promises are conditional. But we can stand in faith on all of them. Let me say that again. Some of God's promises have conditions attached to them that you and I must fulfill. But we can stand in faith on all of God's promises. I'll give you some examples. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's a conditional promise. Meaning that you cannot be saved, you cannot go to heaven, if you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't just say, hey, go to heaven. And God did not just save everybody because Jesus died on the cross. God saved those who receive it by placing their faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of their sins. And that's God's truth. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Another conditional promise. If you sow your seed in good soil, you will receive a harvest. Now that's not word for word verbatim. But read the book of Deuteronomy. Read Deuteronomy 8. Read 28. Uh, read all through 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9. You'll see that there's promises of sowing and reaping. And they are conditional. But no matter what promise is in this book, you can stand in faith for it. You just have to be willing to do what God's asked of you in order to activate that promise in your life. And it's not a matter of naming and claiming it, even though promises should be coupled with prayer and an earnestness to know God's will for our lives. God wants each of us to experience his best, but he also wants us to know and enjoy his presence in a personal way. The best express his sufficiency. See? So, I'll say all that again. God wants us to have his best for us, personally, each one of us. God wants us to have his best for us. And he know he's not going to give you something that's going to draw your time and attention away from him. He's not going to give you a blessing, so to speak, that's going to eliminate the time that you have for God. He's not going to give you something if he knows you're going to make an idol of it in your heart. And there are many, many times that prayers go unanswered that we quite simply just don't have the answer to those prayers. We don't know what, we don't know why. We don't have the why for, for why the prayer didn't get answered. But we need to trust God. He gives to each of us in ways that best expressed his sufficiency. Claiming a promise without leadership from the Holy Spirit will lead to disappointment, disillusionment, and frustration. And so we talked about this in other messages recently where the thing that God's really after is for you and I to get in our hearts that which he wants for us. Before we pray, 
before we claim, before we name, before we do anything, we want to make sure in our hearts that God is doing it in us. And if he does it in us, then obviously he wants to do it through us. And then it will manifest itself in the natural world. At times, God will bring specific scriptures to mind that ministers his hope and reassurance to our hearts, you know. And other times, he challenges us to pray and seek his wisdom on a certain issue. And God knows when the right time is to reveal that wisdom. Sometimes there's something that, you know, God wants us to see and wants us to know wisdom he wants to give us. And so we pray and we think that right during the time of that prayer, he's supposed to give us that wisdom and he doesn't do it. And so we get discouraged, but don't get discouraged because he wants you to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep praying. Because for some reason, based on your makeup, based on all of our makeup, we're not just quite getting through to hear that voice, to receive that wisdom that he wants us to have. So if we get a little nugget of wisdom from God and we stop praying and just act on that little nugget, that might not be the whole big nugget of wisdom that he wants us to have, but he leads us into it step by step, point by point, truth by truth, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, and line upon line. And it is a process, and so sometimes we don't receive the answers that we desire immediately. Sometimes we don't see the promise manifest immediately, but God's word is true, and God is faithful, and he is getting through to us based on the way he needs to do it for our makeup, because each of us is unique. So don't quit praying, and don't quit standing on the word, and don't give up, because God's promises are essential for your spiritual welfare in these days in which we're living. When King David sought God's heart um, regarding his desire to build the temple, the Bible says this, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. 2 Samuel 7.18. Notice that David didn't order his men to begin construction. Oh, I, I want to do this for Jesus. I want to do this ministry for Jesus. I want to do this project. And David didn't just go ahead and say, okay, boys, get started. Let's get this construction going. And we shouldn't either. David went in and sat before the Lord, and that's what we should do. We should take our ministries and bathe it in prayer. And we should sit before the Lord, and we should, here's the dreaded word, wait. Wait until God has given us the green light of ministry. We should sit before the Lord. Wait before the Lord. Wait for God's leadership. It was a good thing he did because God wanted his son to do the job instead of him. Hello. I, I've told this before. I'm going to tell it again briefly because it fits right here. When I was 18 years old, <clears throat> I got saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. Thank God for the grace of God. Praise Jesus forever. And immediately, you know, I got me a Bible. And uh, I love to walk in the woods. So I'd take my Bible. I'd take my, I had a little old uh, ambassador station wagon. 
so I could drive to any two track that led back into the deep woods that I wanted to go to, and I had several spots, and I'd go and I'd pray and I'd seek God and I'd read I'd read the Word a little while and I'd pray a little while and I'd read the Word a little while more and pray a little more. And first thing I know, many, 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 many times, six or eight hours would have gone by. And God began to show me things over time. He began to show me things about ministry over time. And one thing I saw in my spirit through those times of deep and intimate fellowship with Jesus, through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit, I saw a Christian camp that would be huge, where people could go and have Christian concerts and have picnics and, and play together and enjoy life and have a good time and also receive the Word of God. There would be teaching there. There would be seminars, conferences, retreats, etc. And in my youth, in my, in my young Christian life, I thought that maybe, you know, maybe God's going to have me build one of these things. Maybe this is what God wants me to do. Instantly, you know, doors began to open for me to, to speak, to preach. And I've never really wanted for a place to preach. I've never really wanted for opportunity because God has led me into so many time and time again. And every day he opens up a new opportunity. So I began to preach and I began to just, you know, I kept praying about this. Someday I'm going to build this camp. Five years goes by, and then 10 years goes by, and 20 years goes by, and now 35 years of ministry later has gone by, and I haven't built a camp. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago maybe, two ministries that I support heavily, and that I learn from, and glean from, and partake of their anointing, Two ministries started building huge camps. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And he said, see, your dream's not dead. I gave you that dream so you would pray in the Holy Ghost. I gave you that dream so that you would preach your heart out all of these 35 years. I gave you that dream so my anointing could come and rest upon you. And now you are going to sow into these two camps because I didn't give you the dream for you to build it. But I gave you the dream so you can be an influencer on its behalf. That's what God told me. And God told me that just a year ago now. One year ago, we began to throw money at these camps so that souls can be saved. You see, it's not about who builds it. But it's about sitting before the Lord and being able to hear His voice Okay, you, you haven't allowed me to build it, so what do I do now? Where do I go from here? You've got to be able to hear him when he speaks. And you can't do it in bitterness and frustration and anger and jealousy and envy. You will not hear God. But you, you better hear this preacher. Because I'm telling you the truth. 
We begin to throw money at these camps and we are rejoicing in our hearts. Hallelujah. I, I don't ever remember in my life being as happy as I am in my life right now. And I'm not going to build a camp, buddy, but I am building a camp through my finances. But I'm not going to be in charge of it and I'm not going to run it. And that's good. Because that wasn't God's plan for me. Sitting before the Lord and learning how to hear his voice and knowing this word will place you in the perfect will of God for your life. And just as God honored David's attitude, he also gave him a wonderful promise. Even though he wasn't going to build the temple, he said, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. 2 Samuel 7.16 What a promise. And what God began to speak to my heart was, Len, because of your faithfulness, and because you didn't give up and quit and get mad and throw a temper tantrum when I didn't let you build a, a camp that you could run, and that's just one example of several others I could share that where God gave me a vision for it 35 years ago and has somebody else doing it today. But because you acted right, Len, your voice will be heard in these last days. And God told me this. God spoke this to my heart. This is a promise from God. It's backed up by the word of God. He said, in the last days, your voice will make a difference. You will influence people. You will influence policy. You will influence direction. You will influence the way things go. Because you've been faithful. Because you sat before me and you waited on me. All of those years, you didn't run off half-cocked, so to speak, and try to do something on your own to make it happen, to make your name great. You were more concerned about making my name great, God said. So I'm going to honor that by giving you a voice. And that voice will be forever. And how does that translate into forever? In souls that are saved, in souls that are brought into the kingdom. Glory to God. And so it pays. It pays to humble ourselves. It pays to hear his voice. It pays to sit before him. God always will honor our desire to seek his guidance and wisdom. If we'll come expecting God to answer, he will never disappoint us. It might take 35 years, but he will never disappoint us. He will answer. The dream is not dead. Your dreams won't die. Somebody else might be the front man for it, but your dreams will not die. So you just get up in there, march in rank, and go with God. Hallelujah. And he will go with you, as I am so fond of saying. Hallelujah. God will never disappoint us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will place us where he wants us to be. He will use us how he wants to use us. Hallelujah. In Daniel's day, we've talked about David and we've talked about Daniel. In David and Daniel's day, God spoke through visions and dreams and sometimes audibly. Today, he speaks primarily through his word. And he never wants us to become involved in anything that contradicts scripture. 
And also, any verse can be taken out of context and twisted, but if we are true to God's Word, uh, and if we begin to interpret Scripture within its context, then we'll find God's promising uh, promises to us of reward. And we'll find His Word rewarding in our lives. Okay? Now, so let's look at this. Uh, let's ask this question. Man, I'm still happy about sharing that little testimony. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm, I'm, I'm just shouting happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 God will never disappoint us. God, God never gives you a word. He never gives you a dream. He never gives you a vision. He never speaks into your heart for it to do nothing. Do you hear me today? That dream will come to pass. Now we sometimes put, as I said, you know, we'll put our spin on and we think we know how it's going to come to pass. But I urge you today, if you want to experience joy unspeakable and full of glory, just get before God and let Him do it His way. Hallelujah. And you will see souls saved. You will see sicknesses healed. You will see bondages broken and people delivered if you'll just go God's way. Just do it the way he wants to do it. And, and that always involves you and me putting on the brakes. I've never known it to be any different. But listen to this, and you've heard many preachers say it, but God's delays are not God's denials. Never. Hallelujah. 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 My God, I'm happy. Utalabaha. Shikalabaha. Hallelujah. So let's ask this question. You said that in, you know, back in the Old Testament days there, the days of the prophets and the kings, that God spoke through visions and dreams, but today he speaks primarily through his word. So are you saying that God doesn't speak through visions and dreams today? No, not at all. I'm not saying that at all. God's, God does speak through dreams today, and God speaks through visions today. I've had dreams, and I've seen visions. One of the visions that I had was of that camp. That was God speaking to me. But nothing about that vision violated the word. Now there's the point. Your dream and your vision must line up with the Word of God because the Word of God is the only source of truth. Don't ever forget that. And I'll give you just a little piece of advice. I'm not preaching on dreams today and visions, but let me tell you this. <clears throat> if you have a dream and you wake up in the morning, you will, you will know in your spirit by witness of Holy Spirit, if that dream was from God or not. And if you don't know that, forget it. Don't run your life based on dreams that you have. But if you have a dream that's pertinent to your life, you may not understand it all, and you might have to go talk to a pastor or somebody to help uh, as, as the two of you or the five of you or whatever you're doing uh, uh, discusses it, you begin to decipher it. That's one thing. But if you don't know instantly that that dream was from God, forget it. 
And if God, if it was, God will give it to you again in one form or another. Because God will keep trying to get through to you. But don't run your life based on dreams and visions. And for sure, don't run your life based on dreams that other people and visions that other people have and tell you they're for you. God can speak to you himself, and God will verify things through somebody else. See, we're not independent, nor are we to be arrogant, nor are we to be uncorrectable and unteachable. So God will speak to you through other people, but it will be a verification of something that he's already been dealing with you about. Or, or, and I've seen this too, Sometimes maybe he's been trying to deal with you about it, but you haven't recognized it because you're just trucking on your merry way, you know. But And so he'll send somebody, and they will say something to you that you didn't expect, but instantly in your spirit you will know that was God. God's, man, it might have hurt my feelings, it might have wounded my pride, but that was God. You'll know it in your spirit. And this is why it's important to stay in the Word. Because as we stay in the Word of God, it helps us to keep discernment flowing through our spirit. Discernment is not, the gift of discernment is not the gift of a critical spirit either, okay? So just don't take pride in the fact that you know the Word of God and these people over here don't know it as much as I do. Don't, don't get into that. That'll kill your real discernment. And then you'll become a witch, you know, or a warlock. What do I mean by that? <laughs> we could go a long time today. Lord, help me. i got to quit. i got to quit. If you have an arrogant attitude filled with pride, and if you rebel against spiritual authority, then the discernment that you will operate out of will actually be in the form of witchcraft uh, in the church. And so you don't want to do that. You, you, you want to keep right. You want to stay right. You want to stay good before the Lord. And so you get into the book. And God will give you true discernment. And God will give you discernment. And when you discern something about your own life, you need to further seek the Lord as to what he wants you to do. And if you discern something about somebody else's life, then you need to pray for them. Pray for them. Don't share it with nobody else. Don't spread it all over town. Don't post about it on social media. Pray for them. And then God will nudge you if and when he ever wants you to talk to them about it. Because God's primary way of dealing with people is through his word. And through the preaching of that word, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. And the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with people. Even though all of these other things are valid. Dreams, visions, uh, prophetic words. All of that is valid. But we have to have wisdom in the way we use those things. The way we use them for ourselves and the way we use them for others. Okay? When we look to God in faith, he begins to lead us according to his will. Might not happen overnight. Many times God wants us to meditate on a certain scripture for a period of time before he gives us his guidance. 
Instead of being emotionally blown one way and then another, we learn to stand firm in our commitment and trust in Christ. Consider God's promises your spiritual anchors, your unmovable and sure hope. Once you learn to follow him, pursue his lead wherever he goes. God never fails to keep a promise. He never fails to keep a promise that he makes, and he'll never make a promise that he doesn't intend to keep. He wants us to get in his word and listen for his voice. That's where our responsibility comes in. God gives promises, but we must be willing to patiently wait for him to fulfill them. Never trying to put God on a schedule. I want to say that one more time. We should never try to put God on a schedule, man. We should leave room for, for him to bring everything together according to his plan and in his timing because you'll be so much glad, so glad you did. You'll be so much happier in your life. You'll be so much more fulfilled because listen to this, listen to this. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it, the Bible says. Isn't that good news? When God brings it together, when God brings the deliverance, when God brings the healing, when God brings the blessing, there's no sorrow added with it. Now, it may be a little sorrow getting there, and it may be a struggle getting there. It, the, waiting, the waiting time, the waiting time is always the struggle time. But the reward is rich and great, and filled with power and blessing. And so God's word is our unmovable and sure hope for our lives today. Father, thank you. Thank you for this brief time to spend with this radio audience here today. God, I pray that you will mantle your anointing upon every heart and life. Every ear, unstop it to hear, dear Lord, and reveal it to us in our spirits. Holy Spirit, speak to us with your inner voice as you move upon your word today, Father God, and place us all where you want us to be and give us all the eternal hope of salvation in Jesus, both now and ultimately in the future. Father God, bring us through to deliverance now, we pray, and we honor and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody would say, amen and amen. God bless you. This is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, go with God, and he will go with you.